Any views and opinions expressed are those of the authors and or participants and do not necessarily reflect the views, policy, or position of the Rheumatology and Arthritis Learning Network or HMP Global, its employees and affiliates. Welcome to this podcast from the Rheumatology and Arthritis Learning Network. I'm Rebecca Mashaw, your moderator, and I'm here today with Dr. Neil Birnbaum from California Pacific Medical Center. We've asked him to give us a little clarification on a new rule issued by the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services that finalizes new requirements on prior authorization. So Dr. Birnbaum, thank you for joining us today. First and most important question is, when does this go into effect? And to what entities will this apply? So as I read the press releases for this, it appears that it will take effect primarily starting in 2026, and that it applies to uh, Medicare, uh, particularly Medicare Advantage, Medicaid, and to Part D coverages. It does not apply to commercial insurance, but I would have the hope that the commercial insurers will follow along with something similar. And that's usually the case, isn't it, that Medicare sets sort of the standard and commercial insurance tends to follow that lead? Frequently. So what does this actually do? The, the, the two things that I see, one is it uh, sets uh, times guidelines, that it's uh, three days turnaround time for an urgent request and seven calendar days for a routine request. And that's prior authorization primarily for therapies or would this apply to other other types of medical interventions as well? So as I read this and think about what our office does prior authorizations for, uh, it certainly could apply to requests for an MRI, let's say, uh, or yeah, since we're not surgeons, uh, we're not usually requesting for a surgical procedure. Uh, but the biggest thing for us may be the Part D uh, for drugs, because we spend a great deal of our time uh, getting prior authorizations for therapies, which in general are very effective, but also quite expensive. Uh, and most rheumatology offices have a medical assistant or someone else who's develop, uh, devoting a very large percentage of their time to obtaining these prior authorizations. Uh, it's worth commenting that if you're getting a prior authorization for an infusion and you do that infusion in your office, at, at least you may make a little money back from that. Uh, but so often we're doing a prior authorization uh, with multiple appeals for a medication that's either oral or self-administered at home for which we get zero compensation whatsoever for doing that. One of the things that I've heard many physicians complain about, which is if you can have a patient on, let's say, a biologic therapy for five years, but at the end of the calendar year, the coverage stops and you have to go back and get prior authorization as you begin the new year. Is there anything in here that would affect that other than just speeding up the process? You're still going to have to go back for prior authorization every year? Uh, not that I can see. Uh, it's, if people let's for instance, change their Part D coverage uh, or in, for commercial 
patients, their insurance changes, which happens all too often as people change jobs. Right. Uh, I don't see anything in here that would get us away from having to start the process again. And that's one of the bigger issues, isn't it? Yes. I mean, every January, there's a flurry of activity, whether it's a reauthorization with the same payer or whether it's switching to a new insurance coverage. Both of those are extremely time consuming. Uh, one of the other things that is in this ruling is the the uh, requirement that these somehow be linked to the electronic health record so that rather than uh, filling out a paper uh, form, uh, that somehow it's linked to do it electronically. Now, whether that'll be faster or not, I have no idea. So right now you're having to actually do literal paperwork for a lot of prior authorizations. Correct. And this may, in fact, work to at least reduce the amount of that that, you have, that your office staff has to deal with? That's the way I read it. Okay. Is it safe to say then that this could help, but it's not going to solve all the problems? Yeah, that's, that's pretty safe to say. I mean, anything that will reduce the burden uh, on the office staff will be helpful. Uh, I hope this is a step in the right direction. But as long as there is a lack of transparency on how the companies make their decisions, uh, what criteria they use, most of these decisions are based upon cost. Mm -hmm. And as everyone knows, there's a complete lack of transparency on the cost of the drugs and the relationship between the manufacturers and the big pharmacy benefit manufacturers and the insurance companies uh, as to the actual cost and the rebates and, and everything else. Uh, we, we know there are situations where it appears that the branded products may be available at the same or lesser price than some of the biosimilar products currently, but this, as I said, utter lack of transparency makes it difficult. What What is clear, I think, is that the prior authorization process is rarely based upon quality and, and effectiveness and safety. And there's nothing in here about, for instance, if you have to do a peer-to-peer -peer review to make sure that, in fact, you're speaking to a peer, that as a rheumatologist, that you're going to be able to speak to another rheumatologist and not somebody in another specialty who may not be familiar with these medications? I don't see anything in this ruling that, that addresses that. Okay. So there's still a lot to do to make the prior authorization system work more efficiently for the practice as well as for the insurers. In in the ideal world, and I, I don't, we certainly <laughs> don't live in the ideal world, uh, individual prescribers who are never turned down or rarely turned down would get a gold card. And you could say, look, we'll save you time and effort as well, because certainly these are time consuming on the payer side, uh, but they're, you know, they're saving money if they deny something. Anything else that you want to add about this that stood out to you in your review? No, I think simply it's a step in the right direction. It's, we've got a couple of years to see how it gets implemented. Uh, time will tell if it's really meaningful and does it indeed save time for doctors and for their staffs and does it get needed care to patients in a more timely manner. And will the commercial insurers follow suit? Correct. Okay. 
Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for asking me.